as I said, uh, so the Lord went up to the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Booths, and that was a, a time, one of the, the three major feasts, uh, feasts uh, in the, uh, the Jewish um, the calendar, and uh, which would have required all males within 20 miles to attend. So as they're in attendance, uh, they they've got to be there, but they have to they're not to go empty-handed. They're they're to go and, and present an offering to the Lord. What's really neat is that Israel, as they're they're celebrating uh, this uh, this feast and uh, this feast of tabernacles, it's a celebration of God's provision, and it reminds them that He provided for them while they were in the desert wandering. And, and uh, so they would often they would they would have booths on top of their house or something connected to their house and and it was a time that that was used uh, to focus on gratefulness and uh, you know we we've talked about gratefulness but here in America we we can't even get through one day uh, without going oh day of Thanksgiving hey uh, why don't we open up the store so everybody can come spend some money instead of why don't we shut everything down. And let everybody sit with their families and their loved ones and and just enjoy a day of not indulging. <laughs> you know, just that, that day of I've got to have, I've got to have. No, this is a day of thanksgiving. So this, this feast was a feast of thanksgiving. Re, just where they would re, be uh, reminded of God's provision. So the Lord goes and in the middle of it, he, uh, like I said, his, his brothers tried to get him to uh, to show up there uh, so that they can, you know, they wanted to see more. And everybody was kind of gathered hoping to see more miracles and everything. Uh, but the Lord wasn't about just coming and doing a magic show. He was, he, he had a, a specific plan and he ran on God's timing, God the Father's timing. So we're going to back up to verse 16 because we're picking up at 19 in our study this morning. So uh, just to get some uh, some context of where we're at. And, and before we get into that, as Jesus was speaking, they uh, everybody around was getting confused, going, wait a minute, who is this guy? You know, he, he hasn't he hasn't been schooled, even the religious leaders. This guy hasn't been through, uh, you know, Bible school or whatever. We I didn't have him in my class. Did you have him in your class? And, you know, there's that that questioning. How does he know how to speak? He has, I was even, uh, you know, he doesn't even uh, know letters. How does he know letters having never studied? So that was the question that was asked. So verse 16 says, Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. No one un uh, uh, and no unrighteousness is found in him. I'm going to back up and read that last verse. I, uh, I moved my stand here. Uh, he who speaks uh, from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one uh, who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So that's that's what we read, and uh, we're going to pick up in 19 in just a moment. So the the Lord, uh, when they ask, you know, how does he how does he know these things? He hasn't been through school. He doesn't. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have all the proper credentials that they would have needed. And uh, he, Jesus points to his doctrine. If you want to know who I am, look at my doctrine. And uh, he makes it clear there that when he, when he says, when he's talking about authority, 
He says, when you hear my doctrine, you'll know whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. And then he continues and he says, uh, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. He who seeks glory that comes from God, that God God is going to glorify him. And and we, we looked at those those verses uh, in John uh, 17, verse 1. Uh, Jesus said, Father, the, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And in 4 and 5, we covered this last week. Uh, I have glorified you on the earth and I have finished the work which... Uh, you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So when he's talking about that glory from the Father, he's expl- that's, that's uh, him uh, showing that he is eternal, that he came from the Father, and he's sharing the message that the Father gave him to share. Verse 19, and, and it says, sorry, in, in, in the end of uh, verse 18, it says, and no unrighteousness is in him. And uh, we, we talked about that, that, that Jesus Christ uh, from 2 Corinthians, if you weren't here last week, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 21, uh, explained to us that, that we have been reconciled to God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. We just took communion. We read Psalm 22. We, we studied what Jesus did for us, that he did that on our behalf, that, that we have been reconciled to God. Verse 21 of uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus said there's no unrighteousness in him, the only unrighteousness that he ever experienced was our, was our sin being put upon him. And uh, that, that he became sin for us. That it was our sin. Sin is disobedience to God. Verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel." Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that uh, it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. What we see here is Jesus confronting the hatred and murder in their hearts. They're saying, "Who want you? you've got a demon in you. What are you talking about? People are trying to kill you. We see it uh, all through uh, this account as, as we move forward. You know, Jesus tells them that the law was given you know, through Moses. Now, part of that law is you shall not commit murder. <laughs> so what, you know, you know, their, their whole claim to fame is that they keep the law. That's the whole thing for them. Hey, you know, we keep the law. We keep the law. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you've, you've started, uh, you started turning the law and started adding to it and making your own um, uh, traditions and adding them to the law and, and creating burdens that men can't bear. You know, you'll tell people that they need to do that, but you won't even lift your own finger to bear the burden that you put on everybody else. And Jesus is always having that confrontation with them. It's constant throughout the scripture. 
And when we, when we look through, I should say the Gospels, we look through, there's, there's constant opposition coming from the religious leaders. That Jesus was, was often correcting and rebuking them. So he calls them out. He, he lets them know, I know, I know what you're doing. It's in, and it's evident to all that are around there, you know, that uh, there's uh, there's something else going on. They're not just coming and, and wanting to have an argument. They've got a plan, and they want to they want to take Jesus out. Now Jesus tells them that none of them keep the law. That's a big insult. Oh, that thing that you devote yourself to, you guys are all frauds. You're all, you, you, yeah, you you just it, you talk about you know, fighting words. Those are fighting words spoken by Jesus. Just and it, necessary fighting words. He needed to say those things because those men needed to repent, and they wouldn't. And, and, and their response is they say he's demon-possessed, and they try to make him look crazy in front of everybody else. And It's a common tactic for somebody with wicked plans. Wait a minute. What do you say? You're crazy. You know, they, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're the ones with the murderous hearts, and that what they're trying to do is turn that on Jesus. You know, Jesus reveals their murderous plan, and then they, oh, wait, we got to discredit him. You see what's happening? You know, they, they want to discredit Jesus so that they can, they can uh, you know, build themselves up in everybody's eyes and in their own eyes. You know, Jesus directly confronts them regarding their hatred for him, you know, since he healed the man on the Sabbath and he, uh, from, from John 5. And this is two years after that happened. And they're just waiting. Oh, he's going to come. He's coming. We just heard he was he was there or whatever. He's he's going to be coming, and they're sitting there. They they had their plan, and and uh, they didn't like the fact that when they confronted him, he schooled them on the scriptures. You know, that's kind of today's today's verbiage. They, he schooled them. You know, he made them made them look like fools on the scriptures, and all it did was enrage them even more. So they they sought to kill him then, and they still did. And now they they think they have the opportunity. Jesus is bringing it right out. Oh, you want to kill me, don't you? Whoa. You know, we don't want to, you know, and, and he, no, 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 that, that is your goal. And Jesus, you know, he reveals the hearts of men and he's just declaring it to everybody right there. It's not like he's secretly saying these things. These people around him are hearing, you want to kill me. So asking them, setting them straight on his credentials, which he just did. You, okay. You want to question me? You look at my doctrine and find out, you know, is it from the father or not? You know, and, and, and now he turns his focus on the religious leaders and on their murderous hearts. And, and uh, we're going to see in, in uh, John 8 where he says they're just like their father, the devil. You know, so they, they have murder in their hearts. And, you know, in understanding that, that uh, the devil was, uh, he's uh, a murderer from the beginning. That we'll see in the, our next chapter. I'm trying not to get too far ahead because we're we're going to get there. But he's he's addressing the murder that's in their hearts. Now, a son of the devil is going to bear fruits of the devil. A son of God is going to bear the fruits of God. Daughter, son, uh, please understand when I say that. A child of God, a child of the devil is going to bear those fruits. A child of God is going to bear the fruits of God. And what he's doing right now is you have murder in your hearts. Not only in your hearts, you're you're actively trying to get me uh, taken out and arrested, and that's why you know, Jesus knew that they were waiting for him, so he waited to go up uh, to the feast. Verse twenty, uh, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. You know, Jesus is reminding them uh, that he did good on the Sabbath, and he's saying, "Hey, to keep the law, you know that one that you guys say that you are all uh, all all wrapped up in and, and you're focused on. By the way, the law says that we can do good." 
The law says that a circumcision can happen on on uh, the Sabbath. That So when a baby was born, it was on the eighth day that that baby was to be circumcised. If a man came to faith and they needed to be circumcised, they could be circumcised on the Sabbath. And that circumcision was a, a, itself a symbol of the, the cutting off of the flesh of our hearts. It, it was a symbol of that, that that sin is being removed from my life. And it was, it was, you know, you know that, you know, it was a painful, uh, a painful thing, but uh, it was, it was necessary to for th for them to understand this is a symbol that you are no longer that person, and you're now a follower of God. They were, they were, they could do that to to obey the the scriptures, and now he's confronting them, uh, saying that that he shouldn't have made that well, that man completely well. He says. He says, you know, when, when he says, uh, you're angry with me, he says in, in the end of verse 23, because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath. Are you, are you angry with me? Because I, I took a man that was laying there, we know from studying 38 years, just waiting, just no hope because he wasn't fast enough to get in when the waters were stirred. And, and he's, he's sitting there and he's hopeless. And Jesus walks up to him and asks him a question with an obvious answer. Do you want to be made well? You know, there's that. It, it, it wasn't because Jesus needed to hear. Oh, so it, it was, I can make you well. Do you want to be made well? And the Savior speaks to him. The Savior heals him, sends him away. Take up your mat, walk away. And he, he takes up his mat. What are you doing carrying that? You can't be carrying that. Hey, I just got made well. I've been laying there 38 years. Well, who told you? Who told you to carry that? I know you said he, he's telling you to carry it. Who told you? I don't know who he was. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And then when uh, when things kind of progress a little bit further in the day, he's walking in the temple and Jesus seeks him out and they have that private conversation about the sin that that was uh, resulted in the condition that he was in. You know, when you look at him, when Jesus says, go your way and sin no more. Uh, you know, we have to. We can conclu conclude that that whatever he did was a result of sin in his life. Yeah, the Lord, the Lord healed him. It says he was made completely. Jesus said that I made him completely well on the Sabbath, spiritually and physically. And Jesus is saying, so on the Sabbath you can't do these things. Doesn't the law say that if my neighbor's animal's stuck, that I can help him on the Sabbath? But if a man is stuck, I can't help him on the Sabbath. You, you guys realize he could have done that on a Thursday and nothing would have been said. Jesus did that, that on that specific day, exactly where he wanted to, to confront their hearts and to bring, uh, bring the, uh, uh, the, the murder in their heart right to light. There, was, there were a lot of reasons. It was not like those are the only things. It happened on that day with that audience so that it would stir them up so that he could address the, their wicked hearts. He did a lot on the Sabbath, and it would just it turned them, and they were they were too worried about the Sabbath rather than somebody being healed. In verse twenty four, Jesus shows that they're judging that he appears to be a sinner, and they appear to be righteous. He says, "Do not judge according to appearance; judge uh, with righteous judgment." You know, a judge is supposed to judge based on facts. And speaking of judging, with the Lord being the perfect judge, we we just we just uh, took communion and we we talked about Jesus Christ becoming a sacrifice to save us. 
if he didn't do that, God as a righteous judge could not forgive us because there's nothing to pay for our sin. So that is why when we're studying this, it's that seeing what the Lord did, that, that he became sin for us, that we can be forgiven because now that sin, what we did wrong has been paid for. And then he can speak for us. That we have an advocate, John tells us, we have an advocate uh, in front of the Father. That we, an advocate's a lawyer, you know, one that would stand and defend us. And when it's God the Son, you know, you've heard it before, you probably heard it, and I think Will has shared it here. If you go to a trial knowing you're guilty and you're standing in front of the judge waiting for your sentencing, and you see the judge there and you know the righteous judge, he's dead on. Your lawyer, who you don't know, comes out. Good morning, Dad. Whoa, that's the one on my behalf? And we can go and, and say, okay, I have a lawyer that has an in with the judge. And that in is that he became sin for us and can stand for us. And we can stand in his righteousness. We have his righteousness poured out on us. That he has cleansed us. We're, we're in good shape. For no good reason. You know, other than his love. Verse 25, now some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he of whom uh, he whom they seek to kill? But look, he, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus cried out, as he taught in the temple, you both know me and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. So you don't know him, but I do. And he's the one that sent me. So the religious leaders tried to deny it, but everybody knew their murderous intentions. You know, when they're like, oh, you have a demon in you. Who's trying to kill you? Everybody. It says right there. Now, some of uh, some of them from Jerusalem is not this who uh, he whom they seek to kill. But look, he, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. They're trying to kill him. And there he is speaking boldly in the temple and nobody's doing anything about it. You know, he's, he's speaking boldly. No one is saying anything. And, you know, some believe that the Messiah would come out of nowhere. We see here. So there's there's that question that's being posed. You know, do we do we know that this is the Christ, the Messiah? You know, however, we know where this man's from. But when uh, Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. That's incorrect. You know, the scriptures told us where he would be, where he'd be from. So there there's there's some confusion there, and they some believe that the Messiah would come out of nowhere. You know, and and. You know, in their minds, it it, it could have uh, couldn't have been someone that they knew. You know, wait a minute, we know this guy. This isn't uh, you know it, it, he's got to be somebody, some mysterious person's going to come, and he's going to come and he's he's going to he's going to free us from the bonds of of uh, of Rome and um and uh, we're not going to know who he is, but when he comes, we're we're going to be there with him, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be freed. And, and what they didn't understand was there was a much more cruel of a master. Uh, than Rome that was in charge of them, and it was the sin in their hearts. That how how cruel is it when? Uh, and we understand the depths of our sin when we've seen in our lives the effects of it, don't we? The guilt, the shame that come from the effects of our sin. How cruel that master is! 
How cruel is it to tell somebody that they're always going to be what they were freed from? I know I already mentioned that before, but how? think about that. How wicked and how cruel is that? that yeah, you can never be freed. Somebody didn't read the Bible. It, 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 new creation in Christ. All uh, Old things have passed. Behold, all has become new. That person's brand new. The Messiah they were looking for was was uh, just one that was going to free them from and, and provide for them, free them from Rome, and they were going to live in political freedom and all those things. And and uh, they didn't understand the plan of God. So Jesus, in verse 28, confirms that he's familiar to them and that they know who he is, but then he can continue to explain that he did not come of himself and that they don't even know the Father. He's already told them that once, and he continues to let them know. He says, you both know me, and you know where I came from. And he says, uh, I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, of whom you do not know. Now, to tell the Jews that they didn't know who God was, was a very big insult. Because they were God's chosen people. Their name, Israel, governed by God. So to say something like that cuts to their hearts. Jesus would say the things that were hurtful to address sin in life. And that's it's understood. we need to understand that sometimes if we read, in, and there's something that the scripture is saying that pierces our heart, understand that's for our good. You know, And if we're lovingly sharing the scripture and somebody doesn't want to hear it, it's not that we should just write them off immediately. Ah, I told them and they didn't listen. Pray for them. Pray that the Lord would change their hearts. They need to hear the gospel through, and they need to see the gospel from a different lens. They need to hear it with, with uh, faithful ears, and, and uh, they're, they're blinded by their sin. They can't understand what's happening. So they don't know the Father, and, and he said that in chapters 5 and 6, and he continues to. So these guys, are they, that everybody there was priding themselves on their bloodline and their tradition, but they missed the whole point of the Scriptures. They, you know, the, the Lord rebuked Israel all the way through the Scriptures, you can see. You know, when, when James stood up and said, you stiff-necked and, and heart of heart, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. And how many times does that get addressed? All throughout the scripture, they would just see the miraculous deliverance from, I mean, how many of us have walked through the, uh, the, the, a sea with water standing up and walking through on dry land and got to the other side and, and watched it swallow up uh, the nation uh, behind us, that army of that nation behind us that was oppressing us. None of us have seen that happen. I don't think any of you have seen the Red Sea parted or another one. But they get to the other side, and what do they do? Oh, if we could just go back, the leeks and onions were awesome. Yeah, the whip hurt, whip hurt, you know, and they're murdering us, and you know we're doing all the hard work and the double double time labor with nothing and half the stuff we need, and we're supposed to do all those things. But the food was great. We it, it, we laugh because we know in our hearts we do the same thing, right? You know, a way of escape meeting Friday. I, I uh, was blessed to sit here and, and listen to how the Lord has ministered to a young man that has spent much of his adult life in prison uh, and uh, still has uh, now some prison time uh, sitting in front of him. 
from the time he committed a crime here in Maine till he was just uh, sentenced here recently, um, he's been able to attend a rise. He was able. He was let out of jail um, for a different a different crime uh, early, so that he could go into a rise at Machias Christian Fellowship and be in an in residence discipleship program. And he uh, he did that program and. Uh, He's he's been uh, it, now. I'm I'm fuzzying up some things in my mind. He committed a crime, and I think he was still. I, I don't know the legalities and the timeline. Anyways, he committed something. He's been through the program since he's been through that program. He's now returned to it, and he's now an overseer in the program. And uh, when when he when he graduated the program uh, in April, the next day he got married. And uh, you, you really need to, if you haven't watched it, watch Corey Stevens. Uh, uh, I was, I'm going to say devotion, testimony. Somebody said testimony. Thank you. Go to go to Facebook and type in Way of Escape, and you'll see the ministry there. Just spend. I it was only what 20 minutes or so, but very powerful. A man, a, a young man that came from nothing, uh, just abuse and uh, uh, drug use, rejection in his life, and went down the hard road that we might look at the at the at the news headlines, they go, just take that guy out. He got caught with 100, 100 grams, 100 grams of fentanyl, 100 grams. That's a lot of death right there. Selling it to support his own habit. The Lord made sure he got caught. He even said that, and I don't want to steal. You, you got to read, you got to hear his own words. But when he was sharing, he's now facing time in federal prison. He knows that he's going, he's, he was sentenced to three years. In, in, in prison, of which he has to do at least 17 months, I think is is what I'm understanding. Um, uh, I'm, I'm fuzzying up some details there. But regardless, this, this young man has come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior and is now being used uh, to minister. And one of the people he's ministering to is my own nephew. And he brought my nephew along, and my nephew sat right in front of me. And I'm seeing him getting restored. His face looks good. He looks healthy, and uh, he sounds great, and he's being fed. And just understand who the Lord is and the work that he does. You know, that, you know, there's the, uh, this group of people was, was claiming that everything that they had was because of the bloodline that they were born into. And uh, Jesus is, is shaking that all up on them. Hey, nope. No, it's all about a relationship with God. And once we have that relationship with God, things change. So the whole point of the scriptures were to point people to Christ. You know, it, it, he, the, it, those that claim to know the scripture didn't even recognize him right in front of them. He's fulfilling the scripture right in front of their eyes. They don't even it doesn't even register with them. We studied this a few weeks ago. John five verses thirty nine and forty says, "You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are uh, the, these are they which testify of me." He's standing right in front of them, and they don't know. Plain as day, the Savior is right in front of them, and they're saying, no, we know who this guy is. We know who he is. We got everything right in our lives. We got everything going, and uh, we're not going to know, excuse me, where the Messiah, uh, you know, where he came from or anything. And uh, Jesus is flipping that right upside down as he's talking to them. Verse 29 says, uh, but I know him, 
for I am from him and he sent me. His Lord is stating that he is, he is from heaven. Verse 30. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid, laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, he will do more signs than these, which this man has done. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. The Pharisees continued to grow concerned uh, that many people were believing him uh, because of his words and his works, and uh, they step up their game and try to arrest him. You know, they're they're expecting, well, well, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to do, so the crowd's starting to say, well, he's going to do more things than this guy's doing. He's, he's got a, more, a bigger bag of tricks in front of him. He, that, you see what's happening is they're not, they're not coming to hear the words of eternal life. They want to see, see big things happen. Tell me that's not uh, uh, um, so far off from what the church today is looking for. Just entertain me. Bring up the lights, the purple lights and the fog and the, the, mu the mood music and the doom. You know the 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 bill they go guys. I I love I love uh, um, uh, great music, uh, just like the next person. But when it's it's being designed to create emotion rather than worship, now things are off, because now we have to continue to pursue whatever people's emotions are versus pursuing God and and that He would be praised in our time of singing. You know, oh, oh, that was a great time of worship. No, that was a very emotional time because there were strobe lights and there's things going on and your 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 chemicals in your brain are going crazy and you like it. You know, that time of worship can be something. I could play a bit. I could play, uh, ask Casey to just play a song and we can just sit here and listen to a song and worship God. It does not have to that that appealing that that. Oh, I got to get make it exciting. It's all about worshiping the Lord with our hearts. So these guys, they're, they're growing concerned. And uh, they, they, they get up a whole crew, and uh, it's not Jesus' hour yet. And they, they sent officers to take him. So they knew they're not going to be able to get away with it. Hey, we'll send some officers. And uh, they send them, and, and uh, they, they think they got the plan set. Verse 33, then Jesus says to them, I shall be with you a little longer, and then I go to him who sent me. So he's telling them where he's going. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, I am, you cannot come. So here, this is talking about they, they, they don't understand the scriptures, and they don't, they're, they're spiritually blind. Verse 35, then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go? He just said, go to the Father, right? Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Jews and teach the Greeks? Uh, sorry, uh, among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing? He said, you will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. So Jesus is once again prophesying of his death and resurrection. And uh, that brings confusion to all that heard him. And they're trying to figure out, what is he talking about? I'm not understanding. They're spirit they are spiritually blind. They, they do not understand anything spiritual that's being said to them. So when they ask, is he going to the dispersion uh, to, to the Greeks and you know to the Jews outside of Israel is what they're talking about. And they couldn't understand his words and what he meant. And just a few short years, there's going to be tens of thousands of followers of Christ uh, in uh, Greek lands. But right now they don't understand what's happening. So verse 37 continues, on the last day, uh, that great day of the feast, 
Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Will the, uh, has not the scripture said that the uh, Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. So Jesus now is standing boldly for all to hear. And he had already cried out boldly. And he, he boldly says, says that Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So remember, he first came without anybody knowing and revealed himself in the temple, and he preached there. You know, some believed uh, what he was saying, and the religious leaders were growing agitated. So uh, as confusion and contention uh, regarding him was growing, uh, he's now standing and calling all to come to him. And, you know, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, the Feast of the Tabernacles celebrated God's provision while they were in the desert, food and water. And remember, we studied this recently. 1 Corinthians 10.3 tells us that the rock that followed him providing the water was Christ himself. So when he's, when he's saying, you know, come to me, uh, and uh, what he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He's the one that can provide the Holy Spirit. Uh, to them, and they they still didn't understand. So and when he says, "He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water," understanding that our life changes after we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we've confessed Him, our sin to Him, and and we've asked Him to be our Savior, come into our heart and to re rule and reign in our life, to lead and guide us. It was just having a conversation recently about this with a loved one of mine. Just explain the simplicity of salvation. Just talking about how simple it is. If we believe and confess with our mouths, believe in our heart, confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus, uh, then we are saved. And, and, and then the Holy Spirit comes. He doesn't just leave us there to try to flail around and to figure out what's going on. comes and, re and dwells within us. You know, there's no temple that's needed anymore for a dwelling place for God. He dwells right in the heart of, of the Christian. the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives when he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit uh, that would come uh, after his ascension, and you can see that in Acts chapter uh, chapter 2. So everybody there knows that there's somebody special there, but there's, you know, so there, there's the argument. Okay, is this the prophet? Is this the Christ? And, you know, well, is he going to come out of Galilee? And, and doesn't it say that he's going to come from Bethlehem? There's this, there's this confusion happening there. And they know that someone's special there, but nobody could, the group doesn't come to a collective consensus on who he is. And uh, they're again questioning, you know, where the Christ would be born. They knew he was a Galilean, and um, uh, they uh, uh, they they bring up Jerusalem. Micah five two actually says, "But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old." From everlasting. Now read that again. But you, Bethlehem, and then it goes to say how little you are. 
Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. He's ever he's from everlasting. His going that they they didn't understand the scripture that God Himself was going to come to be the Messiah. You know, Jesus claimed to be from heaven. Remember when he said that he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning? You don't do that unless you were there, right? And he, how, how many times has he, has he claimed to be sent from God the Father? So they're arguing the scripture. There's division among the people because of him. You know, the word used here uh, with, that, with that division that's happening, uh, that's being explained, is, is speaking of violent dissension. These guys are, these people are getting angry. They're getting angry. No, uh, no, it's this way. It's that way. And everybody's getting stirred up. You know, some, some believed and defended him and others wanted to lay hands on him to arrest him. Pretty polarizing figure. He still is. He was back then and he still is a very, how many, how many times? Okay. Just think of, okay, we're, we're now in the holiday season, right? Happy holiday. Now, happy holidays, have a happy holiday. Holiday. Okay, what day are we talking about as they're giving us our gifts that we just purchased? Or what day are we talking about? You know, hey, you know, have, have a good Valentine's Day too. Right, which, which one are we talking about? Merry Christmas. You know, I, I think I know all of us well enough in here that, we, that we, we celebrate Christmas. But our culture doesn't want to offend anybody. Now, look. I understand that not everybody's a Christian. And if I walk up to someone who's Jewish and say, Merry Christmas, they're not going to, like, they're probably going to just get more offended. And if I see somebody just, you know, that I know is a Jew or whatever, Merry Christmas, I'm like, I don't tell her. Okay, maybe I should approach them differently. You know, just coming up and, I got something to throw right in your face just to set you off and make you mad. You know, it... All I'm saying is, is, is we don't have to be annoying with it, but don't be afraid to say Merry Christmas. We don't have to try to start a fight and start contentions. But we don't have to back down and not say Merry Christmas. You know, if somebody says Happy Holidays to me, whatever. Okay, I'm not going to get offended by them saying it. But if there's somebody's correcting me saying, saying that I can't say Christmas, now we got a conversation going. You know? There's the Jesus is polarizing, uh, so polarizing that people don't even want to say his name. Christmas, or we're going to put an X there. Christ Mass. There was such division. I, I, I like this. I, I found a quote in, in study that I had to. Uh, now, uh, Spurgeon, uh, known as uh, the, the Prince of, of Preachers, uh, Spurgeon was a Calvinist. And uh, so there was there was division that, that it, even back in his day between Calvinists and Arminianism. Listen to what he had to say about that. Such division should not ever exist among the followers of Jesus. We can sometimes even fight with one another for what we believe to be the truth and rebuke each other uh, to the face if we think there is an error. But when it comes to Christ and his dear cross, give me thy hand, brother. You are washed in the blood, and so am I. You are resting in Christ, and so am I. You have put all your hope in Jesus, and that is where all my hope is. And therefore, we are one. Yes, there is 
no real division among the true people of God because of Christ. I love that quote. You know what? There might be, you may believe this, I may believe this, but when it comes to the cross of Christ, that should be our common ground. That, that, that when we can get the big part of who Jesus is, I'm not talking about you know, start going out and that we, that we are one in Christ with people from cults. That, that reject who Jesus Christ is. I'm not saying, even, even the cult that says the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, the, the Mormonism is not Christianity. So I can't go to them as my brother or sister and, and say we're brothers in Christ, right? We're, we're brother and sister in Christ. I can't do that. But when we have Christ as the centerpiece and we, we both are of the Christian faith, uh, there might be okay. Well, hey, you believe this? Uh, you know, okay, look at it in this. In this, we may uh, not uh, not be on the same page on uh, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation rapture. Okay, does that mean we're not Christians and we're not brother and sister? No. But when it comes to the cross of Christ, we have that in common, and we need to say, hey, you know what? We may not agree agree here, but we understand who Jesus Christ is. He's he's such a polarizing factor. The world doesn't want to hear his name. Verse 45, Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees uh, who said to them, So when they get, sorry, then the, uh, chief, uh, then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, uh, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? How many of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does uh, not know the law is accursed. So they these these officers they get sent away and they got a they've got a mission. They're they're supposed to go take Jesus and bring him back. And then they hear the words of Jesus. They didn't. It says here they didn't see uh, miracles that he was doing. It says when uh, uh, when they say no man ever spoke like this man. No man ever spoke, and nor will any speak after like him. So those officers that were sent out, they turned back, and it was his words. You know, what we understand from the scripture reading ahead is that his words are alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, no doubt piercing their own hearts. And, you know, there's, I, I, I bet there was a point where they're like, ready to go get him? No. What about you? Are you ready to go? Yeah, 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 what about you? There was, there was a little bit of head nodding and like, I'm, I'm not going up. You going up? What he just said just ministered to my heart. What he just said was powerful. I'm not going up to get him. You going up to get him? We don't know exactly, but that's, uh, you know, if you just understanding, you know, it was said of Jesus that, um, that he spoke with authority. You know, on the Sermon on the Mountain, uh, when that's ending, uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 28 and 29, they said that he spoke with authority, not as one of the scribes. So when everybody heard him, they knew there was something different. It was the authority that only he could preach the scriptures with. So the Pharisees aren't happy, and they try to intimidate the officers and belittle them. That's what they do right now. Oh, you guys too? You know, they, they start saying, did anybody else, all the religious leaders, all the, the religious elite, have they believed in him? Look at you guys. You know, that whole crowd is anathema, cursed of God. They're, they're damned to hell is what they're saying. 
That whole crowd. You guys are just like them. They're they're being ridiculed because they didn't have an opposition, a, a stance of opposition against Christ. Like you didn't bring him to us. Why? No, no one ever, no one ever talked like that guy. He's different. You believe that? That's what basically what they're saying. Understand that we're going to face that in our lives. Probably already have. You believe? Oh, yeah, you're a Christian. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or you may may not see it. You can hear it. Uh, sorry, you may not hear it, but you can see it. The eye rolls. The <sighs> just just uh, all it has to be is a grunt and a turn away. Just understand. Don't try to appease them. Don't try to please them. Don't be man pleasers. We are our, our our lives are about pleasing God. He's going to do what He wants to do with our relationships. We just focus on Him, and He's going to to work those things out. But don't. We are called, as 1 Corinthians 16, 13 tells us, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it sounded like there was some clicking, but if it's not up there, watch, stand fast in the faith, be strong, uh, be brave, be strong. There it is right there. The Christian can do those things. We're called to do those things. We have to stand in the faith bravely. And be strong. Nicodemus, verse 50. He who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. So Nicodemus is trying to re re uh, reason with the religious leaders, but they weren't having any of it. Now, when they say this, uh, you know, are you from Galilee also? It's an insult. They're, they're insulting uh, their fellow religious leader who was a man that believed in Christ. And there's an insult. These guys believe that they were, uh, you know, the religious leaders were from uh, Jerusalem and Judea and they despised the Galileans. So this was an insult that they're hurling in the way of Nicodemus. He, he experienced a lot of uh, rejection later on, as, as uh, we're probably familiar with as we uh, studied through uh, Luke before I, I moved into this position. And we saw that he, he made that stance of, uh, of following Christ public. So they're judging. It, what he says here is that they're judging him too quickly. And we, we already talked about their stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, what he's saying here is, you know, do we judge a man before it hears him? Like, what are you doing? You guys are so set in your ways. You can't even, you've already, you've already passed judgment. You haven't even heard anything he's got to say, or you're not willing to hear what he had to say. You know, let him speak for himself. And, and, uh, you know, they make a claim here. They said, uh, search and look in, in, at the end of 52, uh, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee, which is wrong. Uh, and uh, it's incorrect. Jonah was from Gath he uh, Heifer, uh, which is three miles north of Jerusalem in Lower Galilee. Second Kings fourteen twenty five uh, says, uh, and hopefully you have that up there. He, speaking of uh, King Amaziah, restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath uh, to the Sea of Araba, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which He had spoken through His servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer, which was three miles outside of uh, Nazareth. So they're saying uh, here uh, in lower Galilee, they're saying no prophet ever came out of Galilee when they're wrong and, and Jonah did. 
So, uh, you know, they, these, these people that have prided themselves on knowing the scripture uh, were just wrong in what they said. And it says, and everyone went to his own house. They gave up. Ah, we're going to spread out. We're going to go do our own thing. And everybody just returns home. And, uh, yep, okay, end, uh, end of murderous plot for now. Pause. And they all return home. And next week we'll, uh, you know, encourage you to read ahead. Uh, there's uh, Jesus uh, does an amazing work in a, in a sinful woman's life and then has more confrontation with the religious leaders, more dialogue. Like I said, the, the, the book of John is focused on the words of Christ. Uh, there's the seven miracles and then the seven I am statements, but there's a lot of dialogue in John uh, that we uh, can read and, and uh, be edified, be built up in understanding. So I encourage you to read ahead so that you, uh, you are already familiar with the scripture that we're going to cover. Well, let's pray. Father, we are, are blessed to be in your word that we have it. And God, we pray that it would never be true of us that we are neglecting it in our lives. And if we are, God, that we would repent and come back to you, understanding that, that you alone have the words to eternal life. And we pray, God, that we would be submissive to your word. We thank you that we uh, can stand uh, in righteousness because of your love for us and the sacrifice that was offered uh, on our behalf. We praise you. We love you. We ask you to minister to us now as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray.